Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic of the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic of the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I am very tired. Oof. Which is becoming... I guess a regular occurrence for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Life in 2020. I know those, <laughs> those feels. Just tired all the time. I've had like, I think five cups of coffee today and I'm still just really, really dragging. Um, I spent the weekend in London, despite several previous episodes of this podcast where I said I'd never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I mean, it wasn't as horrible, I guess. I spent most of my time in like nice parts of London, but it's still very, very stressful. The tube yeah, is a horrendous I- place to be. I, I do find like each time I go to London, I find myself finding that the tube worse and worse and worse to like to to navigate to just like just stand being in. But I, I still don't mind visiting London as a city, but I, I can never live there. It's horrible. Yeah, I don't understand people that live there and people appear to enjoy it and just have a good time and live there for their entire lives. And I, imagine being able to afford living there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we did the we did the maths and we could afford like half a parking space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose the wages are different, right? Um, yeah, yeah, went, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I went, went to a, a, a show. Uh, the band were playing, and it's like they were only doing London dates, and uh, they were doing. It's like it's my favorite band, and they were doing one of my favorite albums of all time in full. Sweet, and they were only playing London. It's like, well, I guess I have to go then, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And then paid like six pounds for a pint of beer <laughs> oh my god wow. yeah but i mean it's just uh, like there's people just getting on the tube and they just like so you know when they sort of it's really really crowded and they step on and then just sort of like bend their head a bit as the doors scrape the top of their head yeah. and they're just like yeah this is fine this is what i do every day i'm like that's the most horrible thing in the world <laughs> they're all crammed together and it smells really bad and everyone's really sweaty um and people to choose to do that on a daily basis for their entire lives and i did it for two days <laughs> and, and was just having a horrible time yeah, I mean, I used to frequent London quite often when I lived in Brighton because it's like about an hour on the train. I think it was like eighteen pound return on the train, and you got like a six zone underground ticket as well. No, that's really for, good. Like, that which for, yeah, that's sick. That's really cool. Mm. But uh, like since I moved back up north, like every time I've been to London since, I just feel so claustrophobic on the tube. It just, yeah, it's horrible. I just can't deal. It's really horrible. I mean, public transport at the best of times is kind of like unpleasant. But just ugh, everyone's crammed in, and it's, ugh, it's so warm, and everyone's so close to you, and everyone keeps accidentally touching each other, and oof, it's not a pleasant experience. But we did spend yeah. most of uh, most of yesterday in Brixton, and Brixton's cool. pretty cool. I like Brixton quite a lot. Nice. There's a lot of um, cool places to eat and stuff, and uh, yeah, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. But I'm still hoping that I never have to go to London ever again in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know we've got a GP there at the end of the <laughs> yeah. end of the year, so. <laughs> but like, I think this is the thing. I is think that another ten months away. Yeah, I think I can kind of like I can actually I can just if we're going to like what is it the uh, Excel Center? Yeah, the Excel Center. If it's just there, I can just like get a train into like Euston away, but then get straight on the tube to there and not have to really deal with it that much. Yeah, because I had to do like quite a lot of traveling around London, and it's uh, unpleasant. So much so that, that after the show we went to, I just like paid for an Uber back to the hotel because yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm not I don't want to get on a tube, but like. You know, half past eleven, midnight on a Saturday. Yeah, it's it's a, not a pleasant place to be. Nope. But yeah, that's how I spent my weekend, and as a result, I'm very very tired. I'm just tired anyway, 
Uh, and I have done nothing much of particular note outside of that, Ooh, which uh, I imagine makes for excellent podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> How has your week been? Yeah, it's been fine. Uh, I just had a bit of a boring grown-up weekend. So I got, I got mostly just caught up on housework and all that boring stuff. But yes. in the meantime, I managed to watch Worlds, which was, was fantastic, which we will talk about it in a bit um mm-hmm. but i played some arena as well i finally found a standard deck that i both enjoy and have found success with so excellent pretty happy uh it was on uh, gold rank four on saturday morning and uh, now i'm sat at platinum rank one with uh with blue red flash man the sick rags never stop coming with you hey <laughs> <laughs> hang on so you're like oh yeah i've had quite like a grown-up weekend and you spent half of it watching a children's card game tournament and playing a children's card game on the computer well, not, yeah. It's essentially there, was also, there was also a sick wrestling pay per view that I watched as well, which like I, I don't talk about it that much. But like, if anybody likes independent wrestling or like hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling, GCW's Run Ricky Run show from like the weekend was incredible and totally recommend it. Yeah, it's unfortunate for you because I think we we you know as two people have very similar interests and, and feelings on a lot of things. And when it comes to wrestling, you just, it's like talking to a brick wall with me. Yeah. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about any of the time, but you sound so enthused that oh, I get excited yeah. on your behalf. It's just, there's just something about like watching like two grown men smashing light tubes off each other's heads. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the context, a lot about me. context is very important with that. I think. <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> it's, if it's like done as performance and as parody i guess it's fine but if that's just happening in the street then i think that's more of a cause for concern <laughs> so what you're so what you're saying is you did like half an hour of hoovering and then and then spent the rest of the time enjoying yourself yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> oh yeah it's a real grown up this weekend yeah sure <laughs> uh it it feels good it feels good to enjoy standard with this deck though which i, I feel like the past few months i've just I feel like standard's been a grind rather than something I've enjoyed. I've tried to participate to the best of my ability, but I don't know. I feel like I just haven't enjoyed it at all. And I just felt like I've been doing it because I have to, because I need to maintain like a certain rank to be able to like stay at like a decent level on like arena standard. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think like this deck is something that I do definitely enjoy. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I haven't really seen anyone else play it as well uh, i saw somebody posted a five nil list uh, on arena deck lists uh but i haven't seen i haven't come across it in the ladder at all and nobody else seemed to be talking about it but it, it's pretty cool it just does your typical like brian boat cutthroat and then win by casting spells on your opponent's turn so you still get is... to maintain that sweet hipster factor when you're playing a deck that's really good because yeah. no one else is playing it excellent <laughs> that's the most important thing right yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get get to play Gadwick the Wizard and put a put an Embercleave on it to win. Ooh, Embercleave on a, on a Gadwick is real sweet. It is. It's sick. Uh, you get to like you get to play one copy of Rival's Outburst as well. Like that's a card nobody's playing. Yeah, because it's kind of not very good unless you're really like abusing the fact that it's instant speed. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's instant speed, so it pumps your prime one cut through it and finds your cards if it resolves. Uh, it kills. A land, I guess, if your opponent's playing Nissa, which they probably are. Yeah, probably. This was a correct place yeah. to be. Correct place to be if you're playing standard. It's just playing good green cards, as we discussed yeah, last week. It's sweet. I'm going to post the deck list on my, my Twitter. Um, but I, I, I think it's great. I have started using Untapped.gg as well, which is a pretty cool tool, which I would totally recommend to anybody who plays Arena at all. Uh, it is. It's kind of like a performance tracker, so it, 
it is like a like an add-on to Arena where it tracks what deck you're playing and, and your performance and shows you your, your win percentage and how long you've played with the decks and it's it's good for both like constructed and limited um you get to have like an overlay in game where you can have a look at your deck uh, you can see what cards your opponents have played as well so you can kind of figure out their deck and it's it's pretty cool i would definitely recommend it to anybody who plays arena so it's like cheating it's not cheating it's like having a bit of paper there in in person and then writing down I think which it's a, I, your yeah. opponent does <laughs> yeah i think it's a, as, as like a learning tool i think it's i think it's very good yeah <clears throat> i understand that i mean I think with the, my interaction with Arena is just uh, I just stopped caring, let myself fall to bronze, and my life has, if anything, improved yeah. by not having to constantly worry yeah. about being on top of Arena. It's just you know I don't have to give a give a crap about anything. That sounds like a much better way of handling it, to be honest. <laughs> just not caring at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I I felt a lot of stress, like to try and keep up with Arena and keep up with the meta and try and have the right cards and play the right decks, yeah. and, like. You know, having to log on for a certain amount every time, every day to get my daily challenges done. And if I didn't do a daily challenge, I felt kind of bad for missing it. And, you know, felt like I was falling behind, didn't have enough rare wild cards and didn't have enough cards to play the decks that I wanted. And I was just like, oh, if I just stop caring and just occasionally log on to do a draft because the format's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's really improved my life. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a sensible way to do it. But I mean, to be I'm fair, just, like, I'm so hyped for Ikoria mm-hmm. and I don't want to be in a place where I can't play a standard deck because I don't have the cards or wild cards. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that is very much the And I also I mean. refuse to put money into Arena because who knows how much I've spent on physical product. <laughs> at, least, yeah, at least physical product you can kind of redeem some value from if you really need to. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can't do that with Arena. Nope. They just want your money. Okay, cool. Well, that sounds like, you know. Yeah, that's far less of a grown-up weekend than you were suggesting it was. Yeah, totally. So yeah, with that out of the way, I think I think we should talk about Worlds for a little bit. Probably, yeah. It's a, you know sort of the most important and meaningful Magic tournament of the year. So <laughs> it is, yeah, the biggest one, a million-dollar prize pool, which is phenomenal, really. Uh, that split down through 16 players it meant that the the overall winner of the event was walking away with $300,000, which yeah. is a ridiculous amount of money. Absolutely life-changing for most people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You actually think about that, like, for, just for playing Magic, you get... I mean, what's that, for like... 15 years' wages? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could you could just buy a house. You just buy a house, and then you don't have to pay rent or a mortgage anymore in the rest of your life, and you can really double yeah. down on playing Magic forever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess that's what they wanted, right? That's that's sort of the the uh, the point of this like process and the MPL and stuff, and you know, making Magic to be a big thing and, and make a life changing esport. I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like if you can if you can even qualify for Worlds in the first place, I think that is a phenomenal task on its own. And then then once you're there, like. You, you definitely deserve to be there and whatever prize you do get, like you absolutely deserve that as well. I think like even like the minimum prize is like twelve thousand dollars or something, which like again is a phenomenal amount of money to most people. So you're telling me that I get paid twelve thousand dollars to have a holiday for a week in Honolulu yep. and also engage in my favourite hobby at a competitive level. Absolutely. That sounds kinda of good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, so I think the... Did you watch any of the event? I did not. I was in London. I kept a cool. stay on Twitter and right. stuff. It's... So it was a bit of a strange one. So obviously this is the first time they've done Worlds on Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
it it was the first year that we didn't have paper at Worlds, which I think just completely solidifies the fact that competitive magic is an esport now. Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was it was quite interesting how they did it. So obviously there was going to be for a while there was a lot of speculation about like draft, like is draft going to be part of the worlds? Like will we see any paper play at all? Is it just going to be arena? Uh, and I, f- I feel like they left it quite some time to announce what they were going to do with it. But in the end, their their fix was to draft. So they drafted in paper, uh, and that was the the day before and recorded it all and. Uh, then they they showed both drafts, well, both draft pods from like a couple of different players' perspectives, and I thought the coverage of the draft was absolutely fantastic. Properly, like day out, pre-recorded, like draft was was fantastic, and I hope that that's something that they do for every Worlds and, if possible, like every Pro to a final. I think I would love to see well every players to a final. I would love to see that type of thing. I feel like there's so much more they can do. Like so many, like as far as like graphics and overlays and like breaking down each each person's picks and like you got to see like the color analysis like of like between each pack where each player was and and who was in what lane and it was it was just really cool to see that real sort of like in detail breakdown of, of what a draft looks like yeah i guess like in terms of actual the implication of it and the practice of it like it was a cool thing to be able to just you get all the information on a, on a draft rather than just like a commentator just calling shots as they see them from whatever they can yeah. see and that kind of being difficult right when you get to like like you said like see the kind of archetype that they're in and get like the breakdown of it and like what's being passed to them or whatever but it was kind of weird watching something that had already happened 24 hours before yeah definitely and like i said i i think this is something i would like to see at worlds definitely and at like player tours finals but this is definitely something that they couldn't do at player tours or like i don't know like gp finals or something like pre-record some footage and then edit it and they just like it would be a logistical nightmare they just couldn't do it yeah yeah that's true but yeah it was it was a a cool way to do it it feels like it was fairly successful in, in yeah uh, it felt it felt like like an ambitious like yeah just like a really ambitious ambitious attempt to like step up their coverage game which we know is something that has has been lacking and it's just it's nice to see them try yeah, I'm not sure if it was completely necessary or what anything anyone actually wanted, but it it seems to have come it came it came out quite well and yeah, uh, I'm sure you're unhappy with it. But then the I guess the other side to that is uh, once we had the draft in paper, those decks were then loaded onto Arena, and they played the the games out on Arena, which I I I, I get it. Like I get that Magic is an esport now. And they're going to use Arena as much as they can. Like Arena is, it's quite probably just a better viewing experience for everybody when you're watching games of Magic. Like it, like visually, it looks better. It looks more like an esport. It looks more like the product that they want to be or, or present themselves as. As, but I, I just, I just feel like there was a bit of a strange disconnect between that draft and then seeing them no longer being able to use the the paper cards. And like I don't know, it's a small sixteen-player tournament. You've got two pods of eight. Like, do they not have the ability just to run like two eight-person pods on like a special like version of Arena? Nope. Like, could they've not just done that? Nope. Apparently not. They, like, yeah. they, they still can't do that, and that apparently, like, I don't know. If you, if you know that you want 
arena to be the way that you present magic to the world and you want the arena to be the way that you show off magic, then also knowing that Worlds is going to be draft and you want to do Worlds on Arena, surely there was a period of time where you're either like, okay, well, we could, we don't have the stuff we, we, we want to have to do this in time for this world, so we'll just do a paper tournament. Yeah. And maybe we'll do the constructed on Arena and that's fine. Or you just try, try and push it through and do what you can to like really showcase your your product because there's a lot of people that get introduced magic purely through arena who consider magic to be an online game and esport yeah and then are watching people play with pieces of cardboard and they find that's kind of weird and it, it, there is like yeah, like you said like a disconnect and it is very very strange uh and uh, i don't know like in terms of visually representing a game of magic sure arena is much better and it's a it's a lot more i guess visually satisfying and a lot more easy to follow yeah, but there, there really is. I mean, it's probably just a personal opinion, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. But just there's something so, so much more. I don't know, exhilarating, I guess, about watching people actually put pieces of cardboard onto onto yeah, a table and definitely. like face each other, like rather than just both looking at a screen with some headphones on. Yeah, and I feel like a tournament like Worlds as well. Like it, the 26 World Championship that Magic has had, that obviously comes with a long history, and suddenly not to see paper cards anymore really seems like you're you're gonna just lose a lot of that a lot of that history and a lot of the, the things that make world special really yeah and i guess you know you're you're sacrificing all that history and all that you know the things that make magic what it is and just to i don't know i guess it's a new era right of magic where you're just putting yeah it's all just online now and it's just pixels rather than it is actual pieces of paper yeah, that's true. Which is I, just, I just feel like it, it's a real shame that they couldn't have done that eight-person pod draft for Worlds, like of all things. Like the fact that they 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 announced as well, like last week, that like uh, eight-person drafting is definitely coming to Arena. It's coming this year. Like it just, it, I feel like it would have made it sense to have at least like a rudimentary version of it working for that tournament, which they could they could then show off. It's just it, it's just more a case of. Wizards announcing exciting things so they create some kind of buzz in the community and on social media and they're not really going to be able to follow through correctly or properly or maybe in the way that they wanted to on their actual promises. Yeah. Being like, oh, we're going to have eight-person drafting. It's like, well, oh, cool, well, we should do it in time for Worlds then. Well, don't don't announce that you're going to do it if it's not going to be some kind of big event. Because I can really see them just like randomly updating Arena and you can suddenly do eight-person drafts and it's not really a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I can, I can see that happening because it, it's, it's the kind of thing that Wizards have been doing for... For a long time now, like there are announcements for announcements for announcements that they love to yeah, do. Which is true. I just, I honestly, I want to go back and see like if they'd have if an alternate timeline where they just hadn't invented arena and Magic Online was the only way to play Magic Online. <laughs> um, if they'd put this much money and marketing and branding into Paper Magic, yeah, how much it would have affected their bottom line? As much like would we be in the same place? Would they would they have made as much money as they have with Arena? Or, no, absolutely not. Yeah, or like, in, 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 in like, gotten this many new players to to start playing the game, if if it wasn't for Arena. Yeah, again, absolutely not. It's it's uh, like as much as as much as I as much as I enjoy the convenience of Arena, like you can't overlook all of the negatives, and it's that thing like we always say, like you don't have magic without the gathering. I I think Arena might finally actually be that. It is. It's purely magic. There's no gathering involved, and no tabletop required. 
Yep, no tabletop required. Mm. But on the flip side, it is it's so much easier to get into Magic through playing Arena than it is to like go to a store. I know it's something that like just wait for my dog to stop shaking. <laughs> I know it's something that like if it was me, it, so if if I'd if they'd had Arena like a decade ago, I would be playing Magic. A decade ago, I wasn't playing Paper Magic, but that was because. Yeah, like at the time, I was like, "Oh, magic looks really cool. It seems really cool. It's something that I think I might be interested in." But I don't know anybody who plays. I don't. I didn't know about F and M's. I didn't know about any of that. So I was like, "Oh well, maybe I'll do it one day. Well, I'll I'll find somebody else who's interested in playing playing it." Whereas I know if I'd had Arena, I probably would have been playing Magic for like as long as I wanted. No, if I think for for me personally, if if Arena was the way that. I could get engaged with magic. I just wouldn't play it. I I, I wouldn't if like arena. The, the convenience of it now that I'm engaged in magic and like firing a draft on arena just because it's something to do that is vaguely related to the hobby that I enjoy yeah. to pass the time. I guess when I can't actually you know be out at an LGS playing magic. Uh, if if it was just arena, it was the way that magic started. And I feel I feel like if if you know because most of the uh, the social media presence, the advertising, all, all that stuff is just basically based around Arena. There's no real push for the paper game in terms of uh, like but things that things that people who aren't already clued into Magic might see. Yeah. Then I don't think I, I I wouldn't play because Arena doesn't really appeal to me. The video games don't appeal to me. Like the fact that it was a thing that I could go and do and it was collectible and things I could own and like things that would be sought after and not just exchanging wild cards for. And that I could actually go and spend time with people who had a like mind hobby and have conversations and make friends and stuff like that. That's the thing that appeals to me about magic. Yeah. And I think yeah. the gathering definitely. It's why your Hearthstone doesn't appeal to me. I never yeah. never did, because it's just like, well, this is just a game and I don't particularly like video games that much. Unless I'm playing specifically with like other people that I know. Yeah. Like if I'm playing video games, I want to be sitting next to a person who's who's also holding a controller and playing with them. More than I want to just be like at by myself playing a game. It's just not the kind of thing I enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Whereas I, I do, I do enjoy pro gamer moments. <laughs> pro gamer moments. But I was thinking, if, if Arena was the only way that I could get into Magic when I got into Magic, then I probably wouldn't wouldn't have bothered keep sticking with it. Yeah, in the same way that yeah. I did because I managed to find a community and some friends. That's understandable, but I think like if you looked at the data alone, it would probably say like you know, forever one person with the same attitude that you have. Mm-hmm. There's at least ten of us that have gone. Oh, hey, Arena, let's play this. No, no, no. They should base their business model specifically on what I want as a player. <laughs> I am the only person that matters. Oh, I wish they did. Base it on the individual. Well, if they did it solely on what I wanted. I mean, it couldn't get much worse, could it? <laughs> I don't know. I like everything. I'm like, I think... I mean, you probably, you probably wouldn't have printed Oko the way it was. I absolutely would. Well, I love Oko. Yeah. Oko's great. Fair. No, um, I mean, I... Yeah, come on. Even, even you wouldn't have printed Veil of Summer. No, I absolutely would. And would have regretted it. But it would have cost like five blue or something. (laughs) No, I would have printed it. It would have cost like. No, I just would have reprinted Autumn's Veil. Sure. That's the that's the that's what I would like. I would have I would have put the Veil of Summer Templating on Autumn's Veil, and it wouldn't have drawn a card, and it would have been unplayable. That's kind of thing. (laughs) I don't know. Like you know, I'm like we've we said this before. We're not game designers, but I I mean, if if I if they did do it to to suit me, all that would happen would be um, that the uh, commander precons would have more reprints in them, and yeah. uh, more of an access to understanding older bit, uh, older 
older sets of magic and engaging with um, old cards as opposed to just putting the new cards in. And uh, there would be far more eternal GPs and tournaments and arena wouldn't exist. And Magic Online would be the only way that you could play online, but we wouldn't actually care about it. It would just be a way to practice the tournaments and you could maybe win some pro points. Um, Planeswalker points would still matter. GPs would still be important. PP, uh, PTQs in their original form would still exist and that would be the only way. Uh, organized play wouldn't look anything like it does now. So it wouldn't be that different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think like they've made a lot of decisions recently that haven't gelled with me personally. And like they've, they've probably gelled with a lot of people. They've probably made Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast a lot of money. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day for them. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you can't, like, you know, it's ridiculous to, to suggest that, that a big multinational, multi million dollar company should do things to fit the, the, the qualms and, and wants of me specifically. But I just think, you know, I, I don't like most of the things they've done. Pretty much since I started playing Magic, <laughs> every every decision they've made just seems like kind of backwards and weird for for the the just purely to get to the, the point where they want to just get more people into the game as if people weren't already joining the game every day when it was just paper Magic, yeah, and the Pro Tour still existed, yeah, and PTQ still existed where I could go and play in a three hundred person tournament every weekend. But never mind, never mind. Yeah, I mean things have changed. One thing that I did want to visit this week, <laughs> speaking of change, yep. was there. So Worlds 2018 was a bit of a different event. Yes. Uh, for one one reason in particular, that was just the awesome Jerry Thompson uh, decided to uh, to protest. He, he refused to play in the event uh, just to, to protest it. And he, he put out a statement online uh, sort of underlying the, the current state of magic or what he felt the current state of magic was and and a few points which he wasn't happy with, and I thought it might be quite interesting to take a look at those, those points now and just, just see what, if anything, has changed over the past two years. Yeah, I think it's safe to say a lot of things have changed, but whether they're in line with what uh, Jerry T wanted is a different question, I suppose. Yeah. So if we have a look at what he posted on uh, on Reddit, you can see he's got a list of, of six main points here. So we've got the current state. Uh, number one, Wizards of the Coast does not pay professional players a living wage. This in and of itself is not a requirement. However, if the goal is to sell the dream of playing on the Pro Tour, there should be something in place to make that worth achieving. Between qualifying becoming more and more difficult, especially with the goalposts continually changing, and the lack of reward at the top, the message currently being sent is, don't waste your time. So how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that has changed? I think uh, the, uh, the, the opinion being, don't waste your time, being like the, the, the way that it comes across, has at least as someone who plays magic in the UK yeah. been double down double double down on <laughs> i think outside of specifics of that statement i think if we're looking at it from like well pro magic is you know unattainable and pointless to to strive after it's certainly become a lot worse yeah i, I would agree i have given up almost exclusively competitive magic uh traveling to tournaments playing tournaments playing anything that isn't just like legacy because i enjoy it and commander because i enjoy it and the occasional draft because it's fun I uh, there was a time where I probably was like, oh, I really want to like you know, grind PPTQs and like go maybe try and get somewhere close to the Pro Tour, like you know, do well at GPs and stuff. And now I'm just like, no, nah, I just want to enjoy Magic for what it is, which is a collectible card game that I enjoy playing. Yeah, and I, it feels like a lot of people that I speak to are like that, and there's no point actually grinding anymore. There's no point trying to get to the Pro Tour because especially if you live in the UK, you absolutely never will, and it's very very hard to do so. Um, the fact that Autumn has specifically is uh, still kind of baffling to me. I guess they're just that good at playing Magic. But it just feels like the, the 
the pro tour or the players tour or you know high level magic or maybe the MPL or whatever is just more unattainable than it ever has been yeah definitely and I, I would agree with that definitely I think there have been a lot of active decisions not for that goal but there have been a lot of active decisions that Wizards have made that have made that more of a reality unfortunately yeah I think like if you break that statement down as well like Wizards of the Coast does not pay professional players a living wage so that is something that I think has been sort of fixed but also hasn't fixed so I think that it does pay professional players a living wage now because we have things like the MPL, we have their contracts, and you, you have seen a significant increase in prize money at the very top. But I think the goalposts of what a professional player is mm-hmm. ha- has completely changed. Yeah, that's the thing. There are lots of like, professional players, but like they're not getting paid. It's like they've moved, they've paid professional players a living wage, and, and in, in terms of the MPL, far more than a living wage. The, to um, but they've they've changed what. Yeah, like you said, like they've moved the goalposts of what like a, a professional player who deserves to be paid a wage is. Yeah, so these like top thirty six or so players in the world, we yeah, we'll pay them a living wage, but like below them, like are, the, are those players still classed as professional players? Nope, not really, not technically. Yeah, then not- no, I, yeah, I feel like especially like like comparing what the system looks like now to what it did back then, you had like an actual pro pro tour you had the, the pro players club you, you had you had ways to like be a a good magic player or like a very good magic player and stay on this tour and just just keep churning enough to, to stay on but that's not something that exists anymore if that doesn't exist if if that if that you know that, that gravy train doesn't exist anymore are you still a pro player i guess, I guess not. not no yeah. I guess in terms of what Wizards want pro players to be, the pro players are like literally the like the the top 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 percentile of players. They're yeah. not these people that were grinding, and like there are a lot of people that were professional magic players that weren't really professional magic players, but they're like they got their money from somewhere and they were grinding, and they're what they spent all of their time doing was playing magic and trying to get better and trying to win tournaments and trying to qualify for the pro tour. But yeah. it just feels like that isn't the definition of a professional magic player anymore. And again, they're playing them far, far more than a, than a living wage. And what, what they choose to pay yeah. them is, is up to them, but they're paying them a lot of money. And I'm not saying they don't deserve that money or they haven't earned that money or or whatever, but in terms of like paying them a wage, their wage is uh, comfortable, shall we say. Yeah, I, I would agree. So I, I do think, I feel, well, this, I feel like we'll probably see with a lot of these points that has this improved? Yes, but there's a, there's a huge caveat next to that. And just the fact that, that what a professional player is today is very different to what a professional player was when when this was written. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of things have changed from when this was written. And when when and, and unless you actually sit down to actually consider it and think and, and actually apply some kind of critical thought to it, like you don't really consider how much has actually changed in this amount of time and and yeah. how different magic looks, how different professional magic looks, how different just general players feel about magic and and what their goals are and what they wish to attain with magic. Uh I know I think that's certainly true for me. It's certainly true for a lot of people that I speak to, but yeah, yeah, like professional players just don't really exist anymore unless they're decided to be professional players by wizards themselves. I guess like the rivals, I yeah. guess, are also technically professional I, players. I think I think even that just that, that term professional player is, is very different. I think you know back then there was the player player club. You had the pro tour, and if you were on the pro tour consistently, you were a professional player. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's if you were a member of the MPL, you were a professional player. Or if you're a successful 
magic content creator, you're a professional player because yep. you're playing magic as your profession. Yeah, it feels like being a content creator is the is the main way to be, to be a professional player at this point. Agreed, definitely. More than it more than it does because they're playing magic professionally. Like their profession is playing magic, whether that's yep. to a high standard or to a high tournament finish is irrelevant. Like you know. Um, people that create a lot of commander content and their entire their entire job is creating commander content and playing commander games. They are professional magic players, but they are yep. not playing at the highest level of competition, and that's not what pro player means anymore. I think, yeah. in terms, of, I mean, so it's still semantics, right? But yeah, for sure. I think that that's very much the definition. It's just like they they make their making a living playing magic is what a professional magic player is, and it feels like the only way you can really do that is being on the MPL and I guess rivals to a certain extent, or being a content creator. Yeah. Cool. So on the point two, Wizards do not promote its players well. Oh, Worlds is this weekend? I had no idea. How many people can name all 24 players qualified for this year's World Championship? How many can name 15? If you can't, don't worry, you are not alone. Yep. Uh, I feel like that's still kind of true. I, like, again, I think, I think it has changed slightly, but again, there was a big caveat to that. Um, I mean, if we take this this explicit statement, uh, there are now no longer twenty four players qualified for world. It's sixteen players, mm-hmm. but I, I do think, I do think that there are a certain, there are definitely a certain number of players that do get a non zero amount of promotion compared to like the literal no promotion that they had back then. Even at like the early days of the MPL, nobody nobody knew what the MPL was. It took them so long to like to do anything with them, and they're, oh, they're going to have to stream. Oh no, they're not. Some people do, some people don't. You had like these weekly MPL tournaments that nobody watched, nobody cared about, nobody had a reason to care about. But I, I think in the past, in the past three months, I think, and hopefully long in the future, I think the promotion has really, really ramped up. Like I think since we had like the proper state of organized play announcement at the end of last year when they really talked about what this year was going to look like and what the MPL was going to look like. I think that's where things have really started to change and we we start to see the, these people and I think if you look at like the site that they had up for Worlds, I think that was absolutely fantastic and that is the kind of level that you'd expect to see for your professional players. Again, it's, it's much easier to promote these professional players if there's only, you know, 32 of them or what have you. Yeah. But I mean, Agreed. at this point, um, in I still couldn't tell you who's currently in the MPL. All, all of them. I still couldn't. I couldn't tell you who's in rivals currently. All of them, and I don't see a lot of promotion for people outside of a couple Twitter posts being like, "Oh, this person's doing quite well in this tournament," or like, "Here's a brief interview we did with this person," and that's about it. I still don't feel yeah. like there's a lot of profile given to a lot of people. I still don't know anything about people that win GPS. That never happens yeah. really, or if it does, it's a brief tweet that never really gets any any traction or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, LSV won a won GP Denver last year, and nobody like there was no stream, nobody could watch it. Nobody knew. This is the thing. Hardly anyone knew. And this is how we get in weekend to coverage, right? Like part of promoting your players is uh, is is you know providing coverage for your tournaments, whether they be yeah. GPs, whether they be the Pro Tour, whether they be Worlds. Is uh, and you know the player store coverage was great. The Worlds coverage is was great. Um, yeah, but, I think the the world's coverage is probably the best the best they've done so far. I think. Yeah, but it's like a lot a lot of people get a lot of places by just like they were featured on at a GP, you know. Yeah. And and we don't really get that anymore. We get that very rarely, and you know, Channel Five will have sort of had to take it on their on themselves. 
to promote this thing because they know it's something the community want, but Wizards aren't particularly bothered in providing that. They'll let Channel Fireball do it, but it's nothing they, they now take into their own hands. And a yeah. way of promoting, just because you're promoting the top 32 people who you're paying $75,000 a year or whatever the, the actual sum is, just because you're promoting them does not mean you're promoting your players. You're promoting these people who you have a contract with. And it just yeah. it feels a lot, it just feels kind of bad to only have those people being promoted or not the actual like people who are the lifeblood of your game. Yeah, so I, I do think I do think that this has improved, but mm-hmm. I, I do definitely agree that there is so much room, so much scope for, for more and better improvement. Yeah. I think you've got things like like, you know, the winner of the world of worlds gets featured on, on a magic card now. Like that's great. Mm-hmm. That's something that they should have always had. You know, they've done they've had that in the past. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to see that come back. Obviously, yeah, Javier Dominguez was fervent champion. Yep. So we'll get the spoiler, I guess, for anyone who hasn't watched Worlds yet. We'll get to see Paolo Vita Domino Rosa on a card uh, at some point this year. Very excited to see uh, Pablo Doritos on a card. Yeah. It's going to be great. It'll be, it will be great. Uh, plus, I think, like, what we saw of the, the Magic.gg website for Worlds uh, and all of like, the player interviews and even stuff like the like like the MPL like small vignettes that they have like in the breaks of coverage where you have like Reed Duke talking about how much he loves like steel cut oats. <laughs> I think they're the things that we need to be seeing. And I mean, the fact that we've seen just anything at all is is so much better than it was. But yeah, they've, they've still got a long way to go. I still just think that what what's been created in the last couple of years and very much the last twelve months is is a divide between Magic players and professional Magic players. Or at least, you know, Magic players in the NPL. It's just like, before, I still felt like being on the Pro Tour was very much an attainable thing for literally anyone. I mean, not literally anyone, but like if you put in the hard enough work and did enough, you know, page you'd use, then you'd probably get there at some point. Whereas now it just feels like, okay, well, these are the the professional Magic players and then the rest of us are casual Magic players. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think think even that's something that is present now. Like, I think you can... You was you know stuff like fractional invites. I think you can consistently play well enough to find yourself you know at, at every other players tour. But I mean, you probably won't make a players tour final, and you're certainly not going to make the MPL anytime soon. No, and it's a lot harder to grind to get there than it was when you could just spike GPs. I guess. Um, I mean, there's a lot a lot to be said for uh, what's the what's the term for it like non-professional players being invited like streamers being invited what's the yeah what's the, what's the term for it like uh, i i mean it's invites something but, yeah. something invites yeah i can't remember the term they've got lots of words they use <laughs> that's the thing it's hard, it's hard to keep it's hard to pass all this language a lot of the time and like keep track of it yeah uh but those kind of invites it feels like have like quite a lot of quite a lot of stakes like you know canister and, and eli loveman and all of that stuff and like they, they got it, it and uh, who was it? Was it Andre Strasky who you know got a lot of places by streaming, got into the MPL yeah, by streaming yeah. rather than actually performing well at Magic tournaments? And not to say that he's not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I doesn't. I, I disagree. Either. I disagree specifically with Canister there, given that like, uh, so the we like day two of Worlds, he was like number one on the the Magic ALO ranking. I think he's like number three currently. I still, like I think Canister is a fantastic player and has got there from his own merit. No, no, but... no, absolutely. No, I don't. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very aware that that comes across as like I don't think these people deserve to be there. They absolutely do, and they, you know, um, I mean, Can- Canister did get like a special invite, right? No, 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 to a tournament that he spiked to get into the NPL. No, am I getting that wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay, definitely cool. not Canister. Are you thinking of um, 
Um, what's he called? Hofstadter of each. No, no, no. No, no, Connor. Connor won a pro tour. Yeah, but he was invited to the pro tour, no? That he won. Uh, no. No? Okay, sure. He just got there. That's fine. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember which don't want to misspeak, and I feel like if I do, then I'm, I'm going to try and explain my way out of it. But it's just like, <laughs> these, you know, these people, a lot of people are given these opportunities by getting these special invites, as opposed to yeah. like, and, you know, these people earn it because they get special invites for being a big part of the magic community, for being like content creators and streamers and stuff, and like putting in the hours and the work and the grind and, and doing far more work. Um, a lot of the time, than people that are just like manage to spike GPs or, or what have you, or you know these yeah. these uh, pro tour qualifiers or anything like that, they they very much deserve to be there. But it feels like that's that's more of a way in at this point than it is to just actually grind magic and be the best in the game. Yeah, it feels far far easier to get there being a Savich than it does being uh, a Pablo Doritos. You know, it, it feels like that's far more of a way that they want to push. And you know, if that's what they want to do, and, and like I said, those people very much grind and and do the work and get themselves out there and it. It, it, as I guess as, as very low level content creators ourselves, it's <laughs> we, we understand the the you know the the hard work and graft that you need to do in order to get anywhere particularly big. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna just gonna correct myself there uh, just while I get a chance. Uh, so Canada Canister, he, he didn't win a pro tour, so he's won a mythic championship, mm. but he's got like like three Grand Prix top eights, one pro tour top eight. Uh, he's come yeah he come like second and three grand prix and just like consistent really good results looking at his results now yeah like he has got very very good results gp levels yeah, yeah. absolutely uh a lot of the people that have the special invites tournaments do and like you know they they convert their their special invites that for, for whatever for whatever reason that they have been invited into good results uh, you know a lot of the time and, and they absolutely deserve to be there and the good magic players and what have you but it feels like you know just getting good at your craft rather than your actual gameplay is is much more important in yeah. terms of success in magic than it is uh than it than it is to actually just be great at the game anymore and yeah, i feel like that, that's i don't think that's by any stretch a bad thing but i feel like it, it it's very different to how magic used to be where you could just uh, where it was just about being good at the game and being the best and the best of the best now it's just sort of like okay well you can are you, are you really good at magic and also really good at promoting yourself and and having a social media presence and you know people um people like bloody who have come into the game in the last 12 months or something hadn't picked up magic before but uh, who is very very good at, at promoting herself and, and very good at streaming and and, and yeah. you know it is <laughs> incidentally incredibly good at magic uh but you know kind of got got to very good places by by being by being good at streaming and being good at promoting herself and stuff like that and it feels like that's that seems to be and again i'm not trying to diminish, diminish her results at all like uh or a bit yeah, her ability no, to play the game she's a very talented very talented magic player very very talented gamer and also very talented streamer but uh, it feels like that's far more the the way in which you get high places in magic at this point it's easier to get it that way. i'm not saying that's easy but but it, it's it's it seems more attainable to do it that way than it does through through grinding through tournaments like like we see you know uh gp grinders and stuff go before in previous years yeah for sure. i I really really conscious i might sound like an asshole saying all, all that but i, I no, hope I, my opinion my point comes across i i do i do get your point definitely i, I do i think it's it's that, that thing which has always been a thing in magic of like it's called the pro tour but is that professional or is that promotional of course it's promotional absolutely yeah and that's what it is if you've got if you have a large audience and you're also very good at the card game then it absolutely makes sense for for both of you to you know both of you being wizards of the coast and you to to accept these these invites to these tournaments these these you know these mpls these these whatever there might be and yeah like if you're good enough then you're going to stay on the train and 
absolutely more power to you. Yeah, and it was like, you know, I want to be a successful magic player, whether that means professional magic player or anything, but I want to be a successful magic player. Should I put my, my time and money and effort into traveling to tournaments and trying to do well and, and watching the metagame and, and, and grinding through loads and loads of tournaments? Or should I put all my efforts into um, buying some good streaming gear and promoting myself on Twitter and on social media and having a very good and engaging stream and working with people and networking and all that stuff? And like, which which path should I, should I choose? Yeah, 100% the latter. It's yeah. like... As as much as, like as much as I have my own feelings on on Savich, like you, you can absolutely understand why Wizards of the Coast gave him an MPL place, and and why, also why he chose to not travel to play for Magic tournaments because it made way more sense for him, you know, financially, just to sit and play other games on stream. A very hardworking man. I could not do what he has done. Yeah, I don't. Did. I absolutely don't want to diminish that. It just feels like that 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 method is 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 much more. I don't know. Uh, attainable than than grinding yeah. tournaments at this point, especially if you live in the UK, <laughs> where there are no tournaments. Which again, to play. going back to that point, Wizards do, does not promote its players well. I I think they're doing better than they were, yep. but a lot of the I do think a lot of the big names that you see nowadays are players that have promoted themselves very well. Yep. on their own on their own merit. Of course, yeah, that, that's the thing you you know about these people because. They're good at promoting themselves, and, and they do. They're good at doing what they do, not necessarily because Wizards are giving them like some kind of. I don't want to say handout, but you know what I mean, like the promotion that they want to give them. Yeah. So yeah, again, I, I do feel like my answer for this would be like, yes, things have changed, but there is a huge caveat, and we've still got a long way to go, a hell of a long way to go. So next up, uh, Wizards of the Coast communication is notoriously poor. The new Cycle Pro system is confusing, even for those who created it. The best resources for what your pro status is, how long it lasts, and how many pro points people have is a series of fan-made spreadsheets. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, agreed. I think this one doesn't have much discussion at all. I think Wizards of the Coast communication is still notoriously poor. You see like, how many announcements for announcements for announcements do they make? How many, like, oh, last minute, we're just going to drop this in, like, a reply to somebody's tweet? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you see it from so many levels. Like it just feels like between like the digital team and the paper t- or the tabletop team, left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. You have like conflicting statements by people who don't have like anything to do with like things they're being asked about, and it's not something I, I want to, I guess, try to just just go off about, but. I don't know. It's not great, is it? The communication continues to be poor all across the board. Yeah. Even with like, like you know, took a lot of secret layers and stuff. Just like, yeah, I don't know. But even then, it's just like, well, they, they seem to be pretty good at promoting stuff when they're making loads of money. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it just feels like they were pushed. They had an idea, and they were pushed to do it by Hasbro without actually fully thinking it through. And we're still seeing the effects of that. I think yeah, if the agreed. if the MPL had started in like 2023 or something when they'd fully finalised it, it would be a lot better than it is now. Yeah, and everything that's going on, and uh, yeah, I just I feel like I don't really know what's going on with Magic any of the time, and if I do, it's because I've seen someone who is not a Wizards employee or not anything to do with Wizards tweet about it or talk about it yeah. or record a podcast about it or a video about it. The things I know from Magic yeah. are from content creators, not from Wizards themselves. A lot of the time, yeah, that's how it feels. Fully agree there, and although like I do think, I do think it has gotten again, like it has gotten better since this was written. Mm. It's still atrocious, and <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think it's that much of an improvement. Like, I like they could have, 
yeah, I don't know. It's it's bad. And the only good thing they've done was that graphic last year, which explained like the the two sides to magic, digital and paper, and what you know how each level works and how you get to the end. Just whoever drew that graphic, just give them a raise. Yeah, I mean, make them in charge. Yeah, but I mean, this is the thing because I, I guess a lot of it, and a lot of the front-facing people at, at Wizards are game designers or people that are directly linked to the cards, <laughs> rather than yeah. they are to any of these tournaments or any of these decisions or the MPL or anything like that or any communication. They're just people that like magic and and you know who who want the game to be good and they don't really care through what medium. And yeah. it feels like those are the people that are, that are front-facing a lot of the time. You have like people like Gavin Verhe who just like spout off on Twitter about how great Mystery Booster is, and I fully believe that Mystery Booster is great. But, yeah, no, but, sweet. but knowing stuff about it was a minefield to start with. Yep, we still don't know what's going to be in the set that comes out next month. Yeah, and it's just... It's three three weeks' time, and we don't know what the foils are going to yeah, be. Yeah, but I very much know that Gavin Verhe thought, like, worked very hard on it and thought it was great and loved it, and I think I, I, I agree with everything that he ever said. But in terms of, like, actual proper marketing or like a, a communication of what it is or what you can do and how you can get it and what you know yeah it shouldn't just be all, all on gavin verhe to do that no yeah oh yeah agreed definitely. Like, i'm aware he has a lot to do with uh with, with putting stuff out there and and the, the branding and stuff but it's that's not his entire job <laughs> yeah i guess the other flip side is that like while their communication might be more there is far less of what they're saying like as far as like information and like tournament results go like we're getting far less, less, less like deckless numbers. We're getting less information about like leagues. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's not great. No, and this is the thing. Like one of the best things about magic is that anyone has access to the same information as everyone else. Yeah, uh, and that's no longer true, especially when you see the restricting of results posting and anything like that, and the fact that um, Frank yeah, like Frank, Frank yeah. Austin is yeah isn't being allowed to provide the information that he was that he always has which is is a real shame and we're seeing some really again we're seeing some really cool things come from people who have nothing to do with the coast who are just like good with data and know how to like pass what information they have uh say like that that pioneer spreadsheet that we got which like analyzed the meta game of like four events over two weekends which was really sick but that's not something wizards would ever provide which is is is, it's a shame and i think like when you're trying to when you compare Magic as an esport to every other esport, like all of the other esports are very open with their information. Like they want players to 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 meta game, they want players to learn, they want players to develop and Wizards of the Coast just seem like they're not interested in that. Like they want like again, this small thirty two, thirty six players or whatever. They want them to be clued up on the game and meta game and they can have access to each other's deck lists during events, but anybody else, no. Yeah, one of my favorite tweets was uh, Frank Carsten has been restricted in all formats. I enjoyed that, enjoyed that very much. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, the, this, this is the thing. I think I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know metagames are getting so fast and things are getting broken so quickly, and they're having to ban cards they didn't think they'd have to ban because they didn't think that people would work th- work this hard to work things out. <laughs> and people are just building on people's work that has built on other people's work that's built on other people's work, and everything's constantly evolving so quickly. And metagames shift within twenty four hours. And I think to a certain extent that is kind of a problem uh, in the you know having to ban things that maybe we had they been printed five six years ago when there wasn't such a confluence of information and data we wouldn't have to ban. I I agree with you there, but the flip side is that this is the this is the price you have to pay to be an esport if you if you want to bring magic into the twenty first century where 
it is an eSport now, and now everybody can play Magic 24 hours a day whenever they want. Mm-hmm. They can jump online and play a game of, like, you know, comp standard. Then, yes, these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think that restrict, restricted information does anything apart from keep the... Well, it just it keep, keeps an unlevel playing field. If you have full access to all information for all players at all levels, then, you know, at least, like, players who aren't as skilled or as knowledgeable of the game as somebody like, you know, like like Paolo. Well, I mean, it's maybe a bad comparison because there's like what t- Kai Buda and John Finkel may, might be on the same level as Paolo mm-hmm. and probably nobody else. Yeah. But like, I mean, my point is like, if 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 you don't have the information there to access his, as you know, his, his Timmy card store, <laughs> how, how are you ever going to learn? How are you ever going to improve? How are you ever going to get to the level that these like MPL players are at? Like you, you just aren't if you, if that information isn't available to you. But these players at that level are aware of some of the information and have experience from playing the game. They, yeah, you're just always going to be on a completely unlevel playing field. That's my uh, EDH playing alter ego. Timmy card, <laughs> Timmy card shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah for, for what it's worth, I completely agree with you. Like the. Uh, the, the reason that you know net, net decking has been such a good thing <laughs> is because we don't have the kind of time that professional magic players or people that grind have to put yeah. into deck lists. So I can just go online and be like, okay, well, this incredibly talented magic player has put together this list and has done very well with it. I assume that this is correct, or at least correct enough that I can do quite well at a tournament I want to play. Uh, because yeah, I, because I have a full-time job, or I, or I don't have the time to devote that these people do to playing magic, and now you're just restricting it, and you're just sort of uh, securing the fact that people at the top are just going to stay at the top because people that want to come up don't have the same information, don't have the same resources that, the, that, that those people do. That's it, definitely. And like, you just look at every other eSport and they they have all of that information out there. Like, if you want to play Street Fighter, go look at Event Hubs, like Smash, there are plenty of sites you can look at that. Like, I I haven't touched a Smash Brothers game for years, but I know if I wanted to, I could spend, I could spend a week learning the game and yeah, sure, like I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to thrash Leffen on like a 1v1, uh, no stock, whatever, whatever stage you want to fight on. But I, I, I could, I could definitely learn to like hold my own tournament. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I just like Magic the Gathering, competitive Magic the Gathering as a metaphor for capitalism, a thesis. Sure. It's essentially what it is. Yeah. You're just restricting resources from people lower down the, lower down the chain. And that's not remotely yeah. fair. Agreed. Agreed. So once again, was the coast communication? It does continue to be notoriously poor. So I, I think that's a miss on that one. Oh yeah, that's where we started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got so many tangents and so got so sidetracked. I forgot what question we'd actually started with. Well, we got three more points, so let's, let's blast through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number four, there are not enough proto invites to satiate the player base. As magic grows, the top should grow to reflect that somewhat. Getting onto the pro tour is already difficult, but nearly impossible for those not located in North America. Additionally, a first or dead last system like PTQs creates very few people who feel like they accomplished something. It's a system designed to create losers. How has that changed? Uh, I think they've implemented more systems that are designed to create losers. I feel it's yeah, I, I agree. even harder I think, to get anywhere near professional magic at this point yeah, on any axis. Like we've like, like we've said for the past 20 minutes, it's all they've done is just find ways to like widen the gap between the extreme elite and everybody else. And 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, sure. There are, there are not enough protein invites to satiate the player base. Like, you can argue that they've done something about that because they've they've changed the pro tour structure. Like, instead of getting rid of, like, the one pro tour and, you know, a, a couple of hundred invites, now you've got regional players to us, and then they have a lot more invites, but they are smaller level than the pro tour. And the event that's like the pro tour is now the, the player tour finals and there probably still isn't enough enough invites to get there, but like even then if you get there, we've already discussed how it doesn't really mean anything. Yep. Yeah. It, it just this this is an issue that keeps on perpetuated, I guess. And and is perpetuated even I guess to to an even harder extent by uh by this, this, the decisions they've made and the way that they're pushing how professional magic looks in, in 2020, I guess. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, like, <clears throat> as someone that doesn't particularly care about being engaged in professional magic or in really any competitive competitive magic in, in outside of just, like, you know, winning a tournament of a format that I really enjoy playing, then, uh, like, but then, then you know, decisions Wizards have made have put me in that position, I guess, where I just, I, I don't have the time or the energy or the resources to care about professional magic or competitive magic, really. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm going to a magic fest, it's it's never going to be competing in a, in a main event because I don't really care about what that what that rewards me with. What I care about being rewarded with is good gameplay and conversations with people and the gathering and potentially winning a couple boxes because then it's worth my money, I guess. But really, I'm, I care about everything that competitive and professional magic isn't at this point. Yeah. And you know they they've put me there because I I no longer care about going to PPTQs or PTQs or WMC XYZQs like I you know <laughs> it's it's not something that interests me anymore because of the system they've implemented it just feels so unattainable especially if you live outside of North America <laughs> yep yeah oh especially yeah, when you have people, I mean, like you have like the player store in Brussels and the people that the people attending there from South America which just feels completely heinous like having to make them travel that far even on like a like a smaller level like. You know, there was one thing that happened over the weekend was that WPN Premium Stores got to run an event uh, where there was a, a watch party for a standard tournament, and then the top sixteen of the tournament got a promo Crucible of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Like that seems cool if you're in North America and you've got plenty of premium stores, but look at the UK. We've got like I don't know, like ten, twelve premium stores throughout the whole of the country. Yep, which is. Again, still an absolute load when you compare it to somewhere like Argentina, which has one WPN premium store in the country. In the whole country of Argentina, there is one WPN premium store. It's because it's so. There's, so... Only, six, there's only sixteen country, sixteen promos in that country. It's this is the thing. It's it's very it's it's so difficult to to qualify to be a premium store at this point because, so, so for example, the store that I work for, Manalik, we we have every facet of a premium store. But we don't have a shopfront because having a store with a shopfront in Birmingham is incredibly expensive and not not attainable for a card store. Like it's so expensive to do so. Uh, and the, you know, if you want people to attend a premium store on uh, while watching Worlds, that means you're drawing business away from other LGSs, and you're gonna you want people to not turn up to their their LGS and support them and, and make their money, and instead go to a premium store to get this thing that you only offer at premium stores. Yeah. It's which you know. I mean, yeah. As far like as far as like the WPN program goes, I definitely have 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 feelings about that. That maybe we could do another another whole episode on. Oh, but, I could do uh, an hour about like WPN stores yeah, and stuff like that. And wizards continuing to crap on stores. Yeah, and I think my point really is there that just wizards continue to 
to create a system that is is unfair on people that that are not located in North America, specifically those in in South America or, or Latin America, and uh, like yeah, like the Asia Pacific region as well, and I mean even certain parts of Europe. Yeah, uh, anywhere that is North America, and uh, yeah, especially those other places. Yeah, like having one store in the entire of Argentina is <laughs> uh, because of that you're you're not able to jump through the hoops that. The, the jump here, and I'm sure most of these stores are what we what uh, a layperson would consider to be premium, but because they don't have like two or three of these rules that have to quality qualify for you, qualify you for premium, then they're, they're not given the status, and it's just I mean the stuff like like the like the players tours. So obviously, we had the players tour in Brussels, we had the players tour in Nagoya, um, and then we had the the players tour in Phoenix. So the one in Phoenix is obviously for for the Americas, which includes not just North America, it's Canada and it's the South America as well. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's probably a lot worse and a lot more difficult to get from like Brazil to Phoenix than it is like anywhere in in the United States. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we won't let that spar into a conversation about the current geopolitical climate. But yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I imagine it is a lot more difficult for someone from. To, to get from anywhere in South America to North America uh, yeah. to compete in a magic tournament, uh, which for which they have qualified and put in a lot of hard work. Yeah, uh, it's and might be part of the livelihood, in, you know, in some cases. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I think this would be less. It, it would be an uh, an easier pill to swallow were magic not so. You know, sort of focused on the fact that they are an international and global game. Because they are an international yeah. global game until it comes to professional magic, and then they're really, really centered around literally the United States. Yeah. And that's, Agreed. you know, and I understand, you know, they're based in Seattle, they're a North American game, they start in North America and stuff. But if you're going to put some effort into being a global game, try and put more, <laughs> please. Because <laughs> it's really not coming across that you actually care about those parts of the world. You're just doing it to make money because you can sell boost, booster packs there. So, point number five coverage is still abysmal. Correct. <laughs> Over the years, Watsi has received countless feedback, and all we have to show for it is an advantage bar. Oh, remember the advantage bar? That's bad. Worlds is using a pair of dead formats, Kaladesh Standard and Dominaria Draft, and was barely advertised. Why would anyone watch this? If it was a timing constraint to have the event on the weekend before the pre-release, you can use Modern. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously the Worlds formats and things have changed since. Uh, I fairly certain they've got rid of the advantage bar mm-hmm. but they also got rid of coverage yes they just got rid of coverage and the, the day they did that they put on like a mountain goats gig <laughs> or yeah. something weird which was cool because my, my it was because mountain goats it was are cool, great but... yeah mountain goats yeah mountain goats are fantastic but like i remember watching the, the chat during that stream where mountain goats are playing some new songs where usually i'd be so excited but just like yeah, the timing was not great. just going off. It was yeah, it was terrible. It was a really it was a really bad time. But yeah, they've killed off coverage. Uh, that continues to be a topic that is discussed every day on social media, on Twitter yeah. by everyone interpersonally because I miss coverage, and uh, the coverage that we do have is of a high standard. I believe at this point it's been going from yeah, strength to strength, think, but there isn't enough of it. I think like twenty twenty, what we've seen so far, like Channel Fireball are doing, they're doing pretty good. They're doing what they can, uh, and. I said worlds worlds seemed like a very ambitious step up and if that's what coverage is going to look like for you know world level events so stuff like worlds and probably like the mythic invitational then 
awesome I want to see that, but if we could just go back to more just regular coverage. I'd rather world stayed the way that it was and we still got to cover every GP. I'm yeah, much 100%. more interested in that. hundred percent. But, you know, I guess that's not the way that you, you don't just put on sort of, um, and I don't, I don't want to be insulting, but you know, mediocrely run and produced coverage, right? Cause that GP coverage is like fine. We enjoy watching it because we enjoy watching magic. We're not blown away by the by the you know the way in which it has been put on. But I, I guess you don't you don't get new fans and new magic players and 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 create a hype around that. You create a hype around the level of production that is put towards worlds every couple of months. You have a massive tournament that has a lot of production value, as opposed yeah. to having like low to medium production value every week. So that magic the already entrenched magic players can enjoy watching content. You want more people to for her to have eyes on the game and for it to be high up there on the Twitch rankings. Yeah. So the production value has certainly gone up, but it's far more sparse and that doesn't make it a good thing. Yeah, I would agree, definitely. So I think we're, we agree. Coverage is still abysmal. Yeah, I mean, everyone does. Like, that's not, that's not a controversial take at all. <laughs> yeah. And finally, point six, with people like Alex Bertantini and Jared Botcher still playing magic, it doesn't seem a strong enough message to those who would consider cheating. I am not comfortable with thieves being allowed inside tournament halls. Yeah. I think this one's changed. Um, I think it is a bit twofold. Like, obviously, uh, Alex Bertanzini has been permanently banned from the game now, which is Finally. good. Yeah, uh, they've they've brought in a lot more changes to uh, to things like like bannings. Like, as far as there's, there's like play policies in stores now. If you're a WPN member, which obviously as a store you have to adhere to, and players have to have to adhere to. Uh, but again, on the flip side, I think they've they've done things which I don't quite agree with. Like they've gotten rid of the like the public DCR ban list. So if like if if a local player is banned and they're in your system, it'll show them as banned. But if they're if they're not, then there's no way of checking that easily. Like somebody like somebody could go to a store they've never played before, uh, say that or they can't remember their the DCI or they lost their DCI number give a fake name and be somebody who's banned from playing magic competitively, but they'd be, they'd have no way to track that. And then I also think the other thing is that like, yeah, the shift to esports, the shift to the arena, to arena, the shift to modo, like you, you can't, you can't cheat on those formats other than stuff like ghosting streams, I guess. Uh, but as far as like, at like the mythic invitational mythic championship level, if it's being played on arena, you can't really cheat. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's very true. So rather than like, rather than like making, you know, sending a strong message to people who would consider cheating, they've just gotten rid of the option to cheat. Yeah, which I, which is like, it's it, yeah, that's that that's good, I guess. But I think it is very important just to send that, that message that say like, hey, like we we care about the integrity of our game, and if you if you do anything to compromise that, then you don't belong here. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like the fact that you can't cheat in high level magic, I guess. I think in terms of arena and stuff, is uh, is very very much a bug rather than a feature. Yeah. They haven't been like, <laughs> yeah. we're doing arena, so you can't cheat, and we love that you can't cheat on arena. It's like, well, that's not what they've done. <laughs> the fact that you can't cheat yeah. is just a, a side effect of the fact that you know digital magic is is the is the way forward. And in terms of like cheating at paper magic, I don't think they've really done anything in that space apart from like ban people. 
mm. which is what they were doing before. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that Burton Genie's finally gone. That's something positive. Yeah, I guess. same. It's, ah, it was a long time coming, wasn't it? But hey, at least he's gone. Yeah. I mean, when it turns out when you go to like a judge conference and say, like, look at all these ways that I cheat. I can't believe I fooled you all. Eventually, you'll just be like, yeah, we're, we're done with you. Yeah. Please, please leave again. So yeah, I think like looking at that as a whole, it it just kind of feels a bit a bit depressing, right? Like things have things have changed. Yes, we've seen some improvement in some areas, and that's good. But it seems the vast majority of points either like haven't changed, things have gotten worse, or they just don't apply anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, just going through through this list and doing this episode is just you know affirmed how much I love Jerry Thompson. <laughs> Yeah, else. But yeah, it feels like a lot of these things haven't changed. It feels like uh, their priorities have gotten even further away from 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 these points and these criticisms than they were when this this list was written and when the statement was put out. Uh, and you know, I think Magic is a very different game from when this was put out in terms of high level competition, at least. Yeah. Um, and you know, it continues to feel like they don't really care about their player base. They care about making money. They care about selling cards to people. Um, which I guess, you know, speaking of worlds, they announced the, that secret lair that happened with the constellation gods that look really cool, but cost one hundred and fifty dollars if you wanted to buy all of them, and just undercutting LGSs once again instead of giving them FTVs that they could sell or giving secret lairs to the LGSs where you could just sell them and make money for your LGS. You have to buy them off wizards. They care about making money far more than they care about. They care about making money and promoting the game far more. Than they care about people that actually play the game. Yeah. Or, you know, LGSs that were the lifeblood of Magic and the reason that Magic is actually popular or a game that people play. But, you know, enough about that. They had a big flashy <laughs> tournament where they where they gave a talented Magic player $300,000. So that's cool. Yeah. And that's a that's something that no one will who isn't already high-level Magic will ever attain. I imagine. That's probably hyperbole, but it's near enough the truth. Yeah, I I would agree. It's it's probably close enough that you could you could just call that truth. I mean, I mean, certainly, I, certainly, I, if we're talking about Paolo specifically, I can't imagine anybody else really attaining his level. Like, no, p- no, PV is just like broken. I said before. You, you've got, you, yeah, you've got John Finkel, you've got Kai Buddha, you've got Paolo, and then like LSV is probably fourth in the conversation. But mm-hmm. even, even then, as much as I love LSV, there's a big jump between third and fourth there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, just PV is just broken. But the thing, like, if if Paolo started playing today. How hard would it be for him to get to the point that he did? Because he yeah. he got to the point where he could win worlds and win win three hundred thousand dollars. And obviously, there are a lot of people that are in contention for that, and a lot of very good players. <laughs> you know, worlds is normally the 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 top players in the, in the entire world, hence being world championships. But like, how easy would it have been for the best player in the world currently? Certainly, that's not an argument anyone's having that PV is the best player yeah. in the world. How easy would it be for the best player in the world with a natural talent for the game and a lot of commitment and a lot of a good understanding of, of mechanics and everything like that to actually get to this point if he had to contend with the system today as opposed to when it was yeah. when he came through right like yeah, how absolutely. much easier how how would he be at worlds now if if he started playing like say two three years ago this year you know would he still be able to get to that point and i i don't think so just because especially you know being from south america <laughs> it's very difficult for those people to break through even if they're incredible at the game yeah, with yeah. this system, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if anybody does. I hope they do. I really hope they do. I hope there's some new faces, there's some new pros. We get a, a refresh of the MPL. Not that I don't really love. Yeah, most of the MPL, I, but, you know, I I do think that is something that I quite liked about Worlds this time. Like you got to see players. You got to see like players like Eli Loveman, uh, Chris Kvartek, especially massively impressed me. Mm. Uh, 
you and know, uh, people like yeah, like Troth Severin, people who are you know obviously very good at magic because they got there, but they they very much got there because they managed to, managed to spike a tournament and who knows who knows if that's something that you will be able to do in the future and will they stick to the top echelon of the game because they managed to you know they got lucky when they did and they managed to stay on the train who knows but it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch them i think yeah definitely i mean just see how it plays out i guess see uh, yeah see where we go from here i hope it's somewhere good though based on past performance i am skeptical <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of going from here, I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Oh, Segways are on fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you liked what you heard this week and you want to get in touch on social media, hit us up on Twitter. We are at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you want to support us in a monetary way, you can hit us up on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation. We have multiple tiers there. We start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. Yep, you can find the podcast on Spotify and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Hey, is that what it's oh, called? I now? don't know. <laughs> I didn't even say it with enough confidence to assume that it is, because if I say it with enough confidence, then someone's like, oh, no, it's actually iTunes. You just sound like an idiot, which is probably apt because I am an idiot. Uh, if you would like to give us a rating or a review or, or share that one of those platforms with uh, with people we'd really appreciate it, it helps get the podcast to, to more people yeah absolutely if you want to find me on my own personal show so, so try that one again nope. you want to find me on no, my leaving that for nope. it's going to be great <sighs> great <laughs> if you want to find me on my own personal social media you can find me on twitter at peachgardenoaf or facebook.com I'm Joe Loudon you'll find me in pretty much any of the magic groups I also stream weekly on Twitch, twitch.tv slash beachgardenoaf. I'm probably just going to be streaming Arena Standard at the moment, enjoying this Is It Flash Death. Still not Oath of the Gatewatch, unbelievable. Still not, no. Just the no. disrespect you show me every week. I really like it, but it requires effort, doesn't it? Aye, and you know, in 2020, and this, this society that we live in, it's really hard to exert effort on things that aren't just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Plus, plus, I also applied for the the Wizards Content Creator Program under at Peach Garden Oath, so I'm waiting until I get a reply back from them at least. <laughs> that's, that's, that seems very fair. Just, I just want to know either way before I make any changes. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, if you if you would like more hot takes about uh, this capitalist fascist nightmare we're living under, you can follow me on Twitter at Snail69. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep posting like really sort of abrasive takes that I fully believe in I'm not just trying to be an edgelord or anything but things like that until I get enough clout to make it it's the dream yeah yeah sweet awesome so once again we are approaching the second hour the god pharaoh has returned so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation Devastation